Act 3 of Don Juan, or The Feast with the Statue, by Moliere, translated by Henri van Laun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act 3. Scene 1. A Forest. Don Juan, dressed as a country gentleman, Scannervel as a physician. Upon my word, sir. Acknowledge that I was right, and that we were both wonderfully well disguised. Your first plan would by no means have been opportune. This conceals us much better than what you would have done. It is true. You look very well. I cannot imagine where you have unearthed this ridiculous apparel. Yes, it is the dress of an old physician, which was left in pawn in the place where I got it, and it cost me some money to have it. But do you know, sir, that this dress has already obtained me some consideration, that the people I meet bow to me, that they come to consult me as an able man? How? Five or six countrymen and countrywomen, seeing me pass, came to ask my advice upon different diseases. You answered that you knew nothing of the matter. I? Not at all. I wished to keep up the honour of my dress. I speechified about the disease and gave each of them a prescription. And what remedy did you prescribe? Upon my word, sir, I picked them up where I could. I prescribed at random. It would be a funny thing if the patient should get cured and come to thank me. And why not? Why should you not have the same privileges as all other physicians? They have no more to do with the recovery of their patients than you have and all their art is mere pretense. They do nothing but get honor if they succeed, and you may take advantage, as they do, of a patient's good luck, and see attributed to your remedies what is owing to a lucky chance and the powers of nature. What, sir? You are also an unbeliever in medicine? It is one of the great errors of mankind. What? You have no belief in senna, cassia, or antimonial wine. And why would you have me believe in them? You are of a very unbelieving temper, yet you know how, of late, great noise has been made about antimonial wine. The miracles it has produced have converted the most incredulous minds, and it is but three weeks ago, since I myself, who am speaking to you, saw a marvellous effect of it. What? There was a man who, for six days, was dying. They did not know what more to prescribe for him, and all the remedies produced no effect. At last the doctors took it into their heads to give him an emetic. He recovered, did he not? No, he died. The effect is admirable. I should say so. He could not die for six old days, and that made him die at once. Could you have anything more efficacious? You are right. But let us drop physic, in which you do not believe, and talk of other things, for this dress inspires me, and I feel in the humour of disputing with you. You know you allow me to dispute, and forbid me only to remonstrate. Well? I would fain know your innermost thoughts. Is it possible that you do not believe at all in heaven? Let us leave that alone. That means no. And in hell? Eh? The same thing over again. And in the devil, if you please? Yes, yes. Very little also. Do you not believe in a life after this? 
I shall have some trouble in converting this man. Tell me, what do you think of the Mwan Buru, eh? A plague on the fool. That is what I cannot bear, for nothing can be more true than the Mwan Buru. I'll be hanged if it's not true. People must believe something in this world. What do you believe? What do I believe? Yes. I believe that two and two are four, Scannerel, and that twice four are eight. A fine belief, and nice articles of faith. As far as I can see, your religion is arithmetic. It cannot be denied that strange follies run in the heads of men, and that those who have studied are often not the wiser for it. As for me, sir, thank heaven, I have not studied as you have, and no one could boast of ever having taught me anything. But with my small amount of sense, and my little judgment, I can see things more clearly than all books, and I can very well understand that this world, which we behold, has not sprung up of itself in one night, like a mushroom. I should like to ask you who has created these trees, these rocks, this earth, and the sky above us, and if all this has sprung up of itself. There you are. I take you as an example. There you are. Did you make yourself alone? Was not your father obliged to sleep with your mother to make you? Can you see all the inventions of which the human machine is composed without wondering how the one influences the other? These nerves, these bones, these veins, these arteries, these, mm, this lung, this heart, this liver, and all these other ingredients to be found there, and which... Oh, Lord, interrupt me if you please. I cannot argue unless I am interrupted. You do not say a single word on purpose, and allow me to go on out of spite. I am waiting for your arguments to be finished. My arguments are that there exists something admirable in man, whatever you may say, which all the philosophers cannot explain. Is it not marvellous that I am here, and that I have something in my head which thinks a hundred different things in one moment, and does with my body all that it wishes to do? I wish to clasp my hands, to lift up my arm, to raise my eyes towards heaven, to bend my head, to move my feet, to go to the right, to the left, forwards, backwards, turn... He falls down whilst turning round. There is an end of all your arguing. Zoons, I am a fool to amuse myself in arguing with you. Believe what you like. It does not matter a straw to me whether you are damned. I believe that whilst arguing we have lost our way. Call that man we see yonder and let us ask him our road. Scene 2. Don Juan, Scannervel, a poor man. Hello? Oh? I say, you man, oh, my good fellow, friend, a word with you, pray, show us the way to the town. You have only to follow that path, gentlemen, and turn to the right when you come to the end of the forest. But I warn you to be upon your guard, for there have been robbers about for some time. I am much obliged to you, friend, and thank you with all my heart. If you would kindly assist me, sir, with some trifle... Ha-ha! <laughs> Your advice is interested, I see. I am a poor man, sir, living alone in this forest these ten years, and I shall pray to heaven to grant you all kinds of prosperity. Pray heaven to give you a coat, and do not trouble yourself about other people's business. My good man, you do not know this gentleman. He only believes that two and two makes four, and that twice four are eight. What is your occupation among these trees? To pray to heaven for the prosperity of all kind people who give me something. 
you're pretty well off then alas sir i'm as poor as poor can be you're joking a man who prays to heaven every day must be very well off i assure you sir that frequently i have not even a piece of bread to eat that is strange your assiduity is ill rewarded <laughs> i am going to give you directly a piece of gold provided you swear a round oath oh sir would you wish me to commit such a sin will you gain a piece of gold yes or no here's one for you if you swear there now swear sir unless you swear you shall not get it well well swear ever so little there is no harm in it take it here it is take it i tell you but swear no sir i would rather die of hunger there there i give you this piece of gold because you are a human being looking into the forest but what do i see one man attacked by three the match is too unequal and i ought not to allow so base an action he draws his sword and hastens to the spot where the attack was going on scene 3 scanarvel alone my master is truly mad to run unsought into danger but upon my word his assistance has been of some use the two have put the three to flight scene 4 don juan don carlos scanarvel in the background don carlos putting up his sword the flight of these robbers shows me what i owe to your arm allow me sir to return you thanks for so generous an action and let's i've done nothing sir but what you would have done in my place such adventures touch our honor the action of these rogues was so cowardly that it would have been taking part with them not to have opposed them but how fell you into their hands by chance i strayed from my brother and all our retinue and whilst i was endeavouring to rejoin them i fell in with these robbers who immediately killed my horse and would have done as much for me had it not been for your valour do you intend to go towards the town yes but i do not intend to go into it my brother and i are obliged to roam about on account of one of those sad affairs which compel noblemen to sacrifice themselves and their families to their untarnished honour it is ever fatal even if we do succeed if we do not lose our life we are compelled to leave the kingdom this is the reason why i think it is unfortunate to be a nobleman for however discreetly and honestly he may live himself he cannot prevent the laws of honour from connecting him with the disgraceful conduct of other people nor from having his life repose and property depend upon the whims of the first audacious fellow who takes it into his head to do him one of those injuries for which a gentleman must lose his life 
There is, however, this advantage, that those who take it into their head to offend us out of mere wantonness run the same risks and spend their time just as uncomfortably. But if I am not indiscreet, may I ask what this sad affair is? It has gone so far that the secret can no longer be kept. When the insult is once public, our honour does not oblige us to conceal our shame, but openly to blaze forth our vengeance, and even to proclaim that we intend to avenge ourselves. Therefore, sir, I have no scruples in telling you that the offence which we wish to avenge is the seduction of a sister who was carried off from a convent and that the author of this offence is Don Juan Tonerio, son of Don Luis Tonerio. We have been in search of him for some days, and we have followed him this morning upon the information of a servant who told us that he had gone out on horseback with four or five others, and that he had taken this route. But all our pains have been useless and we cannot discover what has become of him. Do you know this Don Juan, sir, of whom you speak? No, sir, I do not. I never saw him, and I have only heard my brother describe him. But his reputation is none of the best. He is a man whose life... Stop, sir, if you please. He is rather a friend of mine, and it would be base in me to allow anyone to speak ill of him. Out of respect for you, sir, I shall say nothing of him. As you have saved my life, certainly the least thing I can do is not to speak before you of one of your acquaintances, when I can say nothing but evil of him. But, however much his friend you may be, I venture to hope that you will not approve of this action of his, or think it strange that we should endeavour to avenge ourselves. On the contrary, I will serve you in this, and spare you some fruitless trouble. I am Don Juan's friend. I cannot help being so. But it is not right that he should offend gentlemen with impunity and I promise you in his name that he shall give you satisfaction. And what sort of satisfaction can he give for these sort of injuries? All that your honor can desire. And without giving you any further trouble to look for Don Juan, I engage that he shall be forthcoming wherever you like, when you please. This is very pleasant news, sir, to outrage hearts. But, after what I owe you, it would be very painful to me if you were to be one of the combatants. I am so intimately connected with Don Juan that he cannot fight unless I must fight too. But I answer for him as for myself, and you have only to say when you wish to meet him, and give you satisfaction. How cruel is my lot! Must I owe my life to you, and Don Juan be one of your friends? Scene 5. Don Alonso, Don Carlos, Don Juan, Scanavel. Don Alonso, 
speaking to his retinue without seeing Don Carlos or Don Juan. Give some water to my horses, and then lead them after us. I shall walk a little. Seeing them both. Heavens! What do I see? What? Brother, you are in conversation with our mortal enemy? Our mortal enemy? Don Juan, clapping his hand to his sword. Yes, I am myself, Don Juan, and your superior number shall not force me to wish to disown my name. Don Alonso, drawing his sword. Ah, traitor, you must die, and... Scannerville runs away and hides himself. Stay, brother. I owe my life to him, and had he not come to my assistance, the robbers whom I encountered would have killed me. And would you allow this consideration to prevent our vengeance? Whatever service the hand of an enemy may render us, it ought to have no influence upon our heart. If we are to measure the obligation by the injury, then your gratitude, brother, is in this case ridiculous. For honor is infinitely more precious than life, and therefore we owe nothing when we owe our life to him who has taken away our honor. I know the difference, brother that a gentleman ought always to make between the one and the other, and gratitude for the obligation does not efface within me resentment for the injury. But allow me to give back to him on this very spot what he has lent me. Let me repay him immediately the life I owe him by delaying our vengeance and by allowing him the liberty of enjoying for a few days the benefit of this kind action to me. No, no, we run the risk of not wreaking our vengeance if we delay it, and the opportunity of taking it may never come again. Heaven offers it to us now, and we ought not to let it pass. When honor is mortally wounded, we should not think of keeping any moderation. If you do not like to engage personally in this action, you need only retire and leave to my arm the glory of such a sacrifice. Pray, brother. All further conversation is unnecessary. He must die. Hold, I say, brother. I will not allow any attempt upon his life, and I swear by heaven that I shall defend him here against any and every one. That very life which he has saved shall always guard him. If you attempt to kill him, you must first pierce me. What? You side with our enemy against me? And instead of feeling the same rage on beholding him as I do, you show feelings full of gentleness. Brother, let us show moderation in a lawful action, and not avenge our honor with so much violence. 
let us master our courage let us show valour without ferocity which only proceeds from mature deliberation and reason not from the impulse of a blind rage i will not remain in debt brother to my enemy i am under an obligation to him which i must repay before i do anything else our revenge will not be the less exemplary for being deferred on the contrary it will be the greater and the opportunity we have had of taking it will make it appear more just in the eyes of the whole world oh the strange weakness and dreadful blindness of thus hazarding the interest of our honour for the ridiculous idea of a fanciful obligation no brother do not trouble yourself about that if i commit a fault i shall make amends for it and take care of our honour i know to what it obliges us and this delay of one day which my gratitude asks for him will only augment my desire to satisfy it you see don juan how anxious i am to return you the favour i have received by this you can judge of the consequences rest assured that i discharge with the same warmth what i owe and that i shall not be the less punctual in repaying you the insult than the kindness i will not oblige you to express your sentiments now i allow you to think at your leisure about what you are resolved to do you very well know the great injury you have done us you shall yourself judge what reparation it demands there are peaceful means of giving us satisfaction there are violent and bloody ones but finally whatever choice you may make you have passed me your word to let don juan give me satisfaction pray mind you do so and remember that out of this place my only duty is for my honour i have asked nothing of you and shall keep my promise come brother a moment's forbearance does not injure the severity of our duty scene six don juan scanarell Hello, hey, Scannerel. Scannerel, coming out of a place where he had hid himself. What is your pleasure, sir? How, scoundrel, you run away when I am attacked? I beg your pardon, sir. I was quite near. I believe that this gown is purgative, and that to wear it is as good as taking medicine. Plague on your insolence. Hide your cowardice at least behind a more decent covering. Do you know who the gentleman is whose life I saved? I? No. It is a brother of Elvira. Ah. Uh. He is gentlemanly enough and behaved pretty well. I am sorry I have a quarrel with him. It would be easy for you to arrange all things. Yes, but my passion for Elvira is worn out, and it does not suit my mood to engage myself. 
You know I love liberty and love, and I cannot resolve to immure my heart between four walls. I have told you a score of times I have a natural propensity to give way to whatever attracts me. My heart belongs to the whole fair sex, and they must take it by turns and keep it as long as they can. But what splendid edifice do I see amongst those trees? Do you not know it? No, indeed. Why, it is the tomb which the commander ordered to be built when you killed him. Ha! You're right. I did not know that it was hereabout. Everyone says it is wonderfully well done, and the statue of the commander as well. I have a mind to go and see it. Do not go there, sir. Why not? It is not courteous to go to pay a visit to a man whom you have killed. On the contrary, I intend to be courteous by paying him a visit, which he ought to receive politely, if he is anything of a gentleman. Come, let us go in. The tomb opens and discovers a splendid mausoleum and the statue of the commander. Ah, how beautiful that is! What fine statues! What beautiful marble! What fine pillars! Ah, how beautiful that is! What do you say of it, sir? Pride of a dead man cannot possibly go farther. What I think admirable is that a man who, whilst he was alive, was satisfied with quite a plain abode, should desire so magnificent a one when he has no longer occasion for it. Here is the statue of the commander. Zounds! He looks very well in the dress of a Roman emperor. Upon my word, sir, it is very well made. It seems as if he were alive and going to speak. He looks at us in such a manner that it would frighten me if I were quite alone. I do not think he likes to see us. He would be wrong, and it would be an unhandsome reception of the honour I do him. Ask him if he will come to take supper with me. That is a thing he has no occasion for, I believe. Ask him, I say. You are jesting. It would be madness to go and speak to a statue. Do what I bid you. How ridiculous. Mr. Commander? Aside. I laugh at my folly, but my master makes me do it. Mr. Commander, my master, Don Juan, asks whether you will do him the honour to come to take supper with him. The statue nods its head. Ah! What is the matter? What ails you? Tell me, will you speak? Scannervel, nodding his head like the statue. The, 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 the statue. Well, what do you mean, villain? I say the statue. Well, what of the statue? Speak, or I will break every bone in your body. The statue made a sign to me. Plague take the rascal. I tell you, it made a sign to me. There is nothing more true. Go and speak to him yourself, and then you will see. Perhaps... Come, rogue, come. I will convict you clearly of cowardice. Observe. Will His Excellency the Commander come to take supper with me? The statue nods his head again. I would not take ten pistoles to say it again. Well, sir? Come, let us be gone! Scannervel, alone. These are your freethinkers who believe in nothing. End of Act 3